This is episode 55 of the History of Podcast. My name's Robert, and today's episode is the history of the $2 bill. I'm glad you're tuning in, and I have something completely irrelevant to get off my chest. It's just that the queen is older than sliced bread. The queen was born in 1926, and the commercial bread slicer was invented in 1928. But that is all. To start, I have the egg carton count, and today's egg carton count is... 73. 73 to all the ham radio operators out there. Well, the $2 bill is a curious bill. A lot of people would say the whole concept is just weird or obsolete, even though the EU has a two euro coin. But there's an entire community built around reviving and appreciating the $2 bill. And believe it or not, twos are historically polarizing for reasons I never would have imagined. First, I gotta say the $2 bill is older than the US. Nine days before the Declaration of Independence, Continental Congress authorized the issue of $2 bills to create some money for America's defense. However, that works. But those didn't last terribly long, and they definitely weren't the same dollar bills we're using today. The Confederacy would be the next to create a $2 bill in 1861. The bills were signed and numbered by hand, which is straight up impressive. And best of all, the back was blank, just a one-sided bill. Nice. Confederate money was only worth something for a short amount of time, and the next $2 bill would be in the US, starting in 1862. And this was a two-sided bill, and it was a lot nicer looking than the Confederate bill. It had Thomas Jefferson on the front, and the back consisting of a pattern made up of twos, kind of legendary. I counted, and the bill had a total of 100 twos on it. This is the work I have to do, so you don't have to. The $2 bill would undergo some design changes in 1864, 1869, and 1874, my personal favorite edition. And for a few versions, Alexander Hamilton was featured on the front instead of Thomas Jefferson. And this is interesting, because Hamilton and Jefferson were seen as the faces of the Federalist and Anti-Federalist parties, with the Federalists promoting a big government for national defense and economic security, and the Anti-Federalists wanting a smaller government that gave more power to the people. But one of the biggest disputes of the two parties was banking, what to do with the national debt, whether to have a big national bank or not. So the faces of the two parties duel over the $2 bill. Even though Jefferson is already on the nickel and Hamilton is on the $10 bill, you could say the fact that Jefferson is on the nickel represents his economic philosophy, just like the $10 bill represents Hamilton's philosophy. Just something to think about next time you see a $2 bill. In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, the $2 bill earned a bad reputation because things like gambling for horse races, as well as several shady transactions, cost $2. They quickly became a sign of bad luck, and if you were seen with a $2 bill, you would be instantly shamed. If you find a circulated $2 bill going around, you might find the corner is cut off to rid it of its bad luck. Twos were so despised that even during the Great Depression, when many people started hoarding cash, they would give the $2 bills back to the bank. When this became a problem, the treasury stopped issuing twos and started issuing more ones. 
The $2 bill wouldn't make a comeback until 1953, and I would like to make a special note about this series of twos as well as a number of twos before it. They had a red seal on them, and they said United States Note at the top of the bill. Private ownership of gold was banned in 1933 during the Great Depression, but before that, these kinds of bills could be taken to a bank and exchanged for gold. But in 1953, these were just still regular bills. The ban on gold ownership was lifted in 1974, but you still can't exchange a Red Seal $2 bill for gold, unfortunately. But I happen to have a 1953 $2 bill in front of me right now. Here we go. We've got Jefferson on the front, his home, Monticello on the back, with the number 2 on each side and the word 2 over the number. Audio is clearly not the best format for this. Uh, you'll just have to <laughs> take my word for it. But it's a nice looking piece of paper. With inflation, twos continued to go out of style, and less than half of them were printed in 1953 as were in 1928, and even less than that in the 1963 edition of the two. So $2 bills were discontinued in 1966, but then we brought them back in 1976 to celebrate 200 years of the USA. But this time around, they all had a green seal and were all Federal Reserve notes, just like any other bill. Google employees were probably shaking their heads when they saw my search, how much is a $2 bill worth? I guess I'm not that dumb though, because you can buy them for $4.99. The real question is though, why do they exist? Because I guess it's more efficient than printing two $1 bills, or it takes up half the space in your wallet. But really, because of inflation, the $1 bill was about as valuable in 1862 as a $10 bill today. So it made sense to have $2 bills just like we have $20 bills. $2 bills are still in circulation because hoarders who think they're valuable reduce the number in circulation, resulting in the printing of more $2 bills and only lowering the value for the hoarders. It's still not a huge number though that are printed, uh, as there were only 160 million $2 bills printed in 2019. And that sounds like a big number, but it only accounts for 3% of all the paper money printed in 2019. I still think this is extremely interesting that the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, or the BEP, continues to print them, because printing a $2 bill costs the same amount as printing a $1 bill meaning the BEP can print only half as many bills, saving a lot of money in production costs. And I don't even want to get started on the headache of trying to understand how it takes money to print money, but hey, if it makes you feel any worse, it costs two cents to mint a penny. If you want more like this episode, hop on over to episode 27, The History of Fractional Reserve Banking, or 33 for the quick version. I spent a really long time on them, so you should give him a listen. I'm Robert Lakatosh, and I might just go buy something with this $2 bill. Don't worry, it's, it's just a candy bar. I really hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, don't listen to the next episode just yet. I'd appreciate if you could take just 10 seconds to rate or write a review for The History Of. It really does make the episodes better. And if you think you have a friend who might enjoy this podcast, tell them about The History Of, their new favorite podcast and you might just make their day. I'd like to thank you all for your gracious, loyal support, and until the next one, I'm Robert Lakatosh.
Thanks for listening.